Welcome to Design for Voice podcast. Here's a quick highlight from today's episode. I think what is really hard is designing conversations when you're dealing with uh, with flexible conversation because you can't. You're no longer designing single flows. You have to uh, imagine that anything can happen anytime, and designing that I think is the real challenge. Welcome to Design for Voice. I'm your host, Jeremy Wilkin, and today our topic is going to be looking at the term high-density voice experiences, which is essentially an experience that can accommodate a wide range of conversational paths, which will accomplish a task or achieve some kind of result, which goes beyond the typical one-turn experience that you might have with turning lights on or something of that nature. Um, I'm joined today by Felicia and Antoine. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Great. Uh, why don't you start off by giving us a little bit more background and how you got into this space? Sure. Okay. I'll, uh, is Antoine, I'll start. Um, so I've been in the space for almost 20 years now. I actually really started uh, in, in 2002 uh, when I did a, a PhD in language technologies at Carnegie Mellon, exactly on the in, in the area of spoken dialogue systems, which is now called conversational AI. And so I've, I've it's kind of all I've done since then, either uh, like it, as part of my PhD or later I worked at companies like Honda and Lenovo and Facebook and always doing some kind of conversational AI uh, kind of work. So that's how I was, uh, that's where I was a year ago. And at that point I um, decided to start a company <laughs> I mean, a co-founder of, of B4.ai, which is purely dedicated to, to conversation and dialogue um, using, using current kind of technologies and channels. And yeah, that's how we, we got where, where we are now. Hi, I'm Felicia. My story's a little different. I haven't been working in voice at all until last year when I started with Before. I actually just moved here from New York for this opportunity. And before that, I was working in a completely different industry. I was working in fashion and textiles. So did a little bit of Christmas ornament design as well. Um, but then in between all that, I was lucky enough to work on tech for a little bit, uh, doing smart home devices. So that's kind of how I think I got over to San Francisco and working on products for tech companies. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show. And I kind of want to begin with just a better definition of this term high density. Uh, it's, you have a blog post out there, which describes it to a pretty good degree, but let's, let's, found this show around that term and clarify exactly what high density means and and perhaps what it doesn't. Yeah, so I'm going to let Antoine start because he actually coined this phrase for our company. So I think he has a vision of it and I'd like him to explain that and then I can go into more details about how that what that means in terms of the actual conversation and the user experience. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, so, so right. The the idea and the reason for the term density, which is a fairly kind of visual and physical kind of kind of term, is the the image that uh, I'd like you to have in mind is when you think of assistants, things like Siri or or Alexa or, or Google Assistant, they tend to address um, a really broad range of domains. They have a very very wide uh, scope. Uh, the the idea for them is that you can leverage conversation is something that lets you deal with any possible topic, and so the the point of using conversation and, and natural language is to be able to do anything with your assistant. So that's why I call kind of broad 
uh, broad scope, but low density, because each, if, if you look at what they do today, each of those domains or each, each of those things that they do, they're actually not, uh, it's actually not very natural. It's not really not very easy to achieve those things. Either it's limited to like kind of one shot sentences where you don't really have a conversation because you don't need it. Like things like, you know, what's the weather uh, tomorrow in, in Palo Alto, for example, that'd be a one shot sentence that works and that's fine. But as, as soon as you get into things that would require more turns, either you get to very rigid flows where you have to follow whatever the system says, or uh, if, if you fall outside of that, then uh, it's very hard to recover or it's very hard to, to progress in the conversation. So the idea of high density is instead of focusing on the broad uh, scope on the breadth of the scope is to maybe narrow down what we're what what domain or what task we're addressing, but within that narrower domain, cover much more of the different kind of path and possible conversations that can happen. So the, the visual kind of image here is that you have the space of conversations, and instead of having one or two uh, paths that you cover, you want to have a much more uh, rich coverage of all the kinds of conversations that can happen within one domain. And that's that's where uh, the idea of high density kind of came from. Can I give you uh, an analogy, maybe that, that you can correct me? But I'm thinking like as you search the web and you find blog posts on a certain topic, that's low density. But then if you're going into academic papers on that same type of topic, you're getting into the high density space, much more rich, much more deep. Is that a reasonable analogy, or what could you correct with it? So it, it is uh, true to some extent. However, the, the thing that is missing here, I think it's a good analogy. The thing that's missing is the kind of interaction part of it. That in a, on top of that, there's like, imagine that you have a conversation with these papers, <laughs> with these results. And then, so some are going to be just, like you say, like shallow kind of, kind of just getting you the, the, the main uh, the, the main topic or the main task and others, they kind of let you explore a whole domain, right? And so it, it's the right analogy in that sense, but you have to imagine on top of that having kind of interaction, like interactive systems. Got it. I want to add to that if possible. Like I think with your analogy, it kind of makes me feel like it's maybe you can search for a lot of different articles, right? So that's a lot of different features. But once you find it, what do you do with that feature or article? It's it's more than, I, I don't want it to be explained as lots of features. And just feel like maybe when you go deep into an article or a research paper, then you have lots of information, right? It's an information can be a feature. It's more high density to me is more how a user can access and interact with each individual feature or maybe each individual uh, fact point inside the article. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And it, uh, you know, I threw that out there kind of top of mind, just thinking most of what people are using assistance for today, if we're going to limit ourselves to the the Google Assistant and Siri things of the world today, are they're searching for basic information like the weather or how do I cook this? How do I cook chicken at what temperature and things like that, which are typically search queries. And so a lot of it does boil back into that. But you're right that there is often an interactive component where you might be also wanting to turn on lights. Well, that needs a certain amount of interactivity with your home and your devices and other things that you possess. So there's more than just information, which is what the analogy really focuses on, but also the the action you can take with that information, uh, no matter how deep it goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then even more of the interaction side, it's, it's how someone can access 
the feature. So when we're talking about voice, it's not just searching for how do I cook this chicken, right? It's how many different ways can the user say that? That's one very small section of it. But then it's also when the user can say that. So once the user says, how can I cook this chicken? Usually, I think systems right now, the bot starts this path, right? One linear path. So the user wants to find out this information and that's the path. So if if you continue down that path and then the user changes and said, oh, actually, how much is the chicken cost at the local grocery store, right? That's that's changing the path. And I think the high density will allow users to do that. Once they start one path, they should be able to change the context, change the path, and then also go back to it. Okay, so let's take an example. Uh, I think we talked a little bit about purchasing a product and using your voice to do that. So what is that experience like today? And what would we rather see with a high density type experience? Okay, so for me, a recent example I can think of because I just tried it yesterday is an ordering pizza app that's out there. That's that's not ours, just an existing one. And in the beginning of the flow, it's it works quite fine because it's very linear. So the bot starts asking me by, uh, do you want delivery or takeout? I pick one. Very simple, straightforward. The next thing it asks, okay, is this your address? Confirm address. Is this your phone number? Confirm phone number. There's no... So the bot is driving the conversation, right, for each of these turns. And uh, as a user, I've responded to exactly what the bot wants. And so in this one linear path, it's working fine. Um, Where it starts to not work without high density is when it asks me, uh, it said like, oh, we have several items like pizza, pasta, appetizers. What would you like? And I said, how about pasta? Great. So now I have let the bot lead me into a new path for item selection. So the bot wants me to select the item and it presents me with several pasta options. And instead, so it expects me to then just pick one, right? Because you're in the item selection path. But instead of doing that, I said, oh, what, what is in the pasta primavera? Or is that vegetarian? And basically any question or any task I'm trying to accomplish with the bot that is not the item selection one that it's put me in, broke it. It, it heard pasta primavera. And because it's in item selection, it understood me as selecting that item, which is completely incorrect. And so I try to change it around by saying cancel item. No, I didn't want that. Actually remove, go back. Everything resulted in the bot asking me, would you like that in a bread bowl or a regular dish? So that's kind of a really good example of like a strict path, like low density where you have one path and that's the only way you can go. I'm thinking if you're at a restaurant or you're, let's say it's a counter service where you go up and you, you start putting your order in and they're like, hey, would you like to try our new pizza or something? You know, they gave you a couple choices in that same vein. You could ask that kind of question and expect a logical response. If you're asking questions like, well, what's in your um, salad, which is not one of the options they provided you. And they understand that, right? A human can make those intuitive leaps right now. But right now, a lot of these bots are built to just recognize certain keywords at certain points. Mm-hmm. So if you if the bot is expecting a selection, then the follow-up is listening for those keywords and pretty much ignores the rest. Is that the crux of our problem? Yeah, I think so. And 
why is that? Because there's no flexibility. And so hopefully with high density, we can add that level of flexibility for every part of the conversation. Yeah, and one, one reason why, um, why this happens with voice particularly, and it's, it's not, I mean, something that's well known, but it's the, the, the fact that with voice, you, the, the user doesn't really know what is possible and how to achieve certain things. Like the affordances of the interface, if you, if you wish, are not accessible, are not visible to the user. And so that's what makes it really tricky to you know, handle what's coming from the user, right? Because you don't want, if, if you restrict the user completely to only answering what the system is, is, is asking, only following the path from the system, you're likely to get to a path like, like Felicia described, that there's, uh, you're, you're not getting what you want as a user. And if you open up, then you don't know what the user is going to come back with. And that's, that is the challenge. And that is what we need to, to deal with. As a developer, I, I, I get this problem. Um, uh, it's something that I have faced to some degree. Usually my app is a lot more narrow, so the capabilities that people, I think, will be asking outside of the general responses that I'm looking for tend to be very narrow. They might be asking for gener- generic help or uh, an introduction or something like that, which those things should be handled as well. But those are still sort of broad, general things that are on the side, whereas you're talking about specific actionable information related to accomplishing the task of ordering an item, but you're asking in a, a different way than the bot's design. So as a web developer, maybe you think you're forcing people in this voice experience to go through the flow of a form, an order sheet mm-hmm. without, mm-hmm. without deviation. And then you're stuck with every step of the way without being able to jump around or uh, step out of that context for the moment. That's right. So building experiences like that is sort of the easy way of doing it. it it's really hard to do anything else without a lot of th- thinking ahead of time and probably utilizing some technology and skills that aren't necessarily common in every developer. So what are things that we can do to even build these type of experiences? Are we capable of building them today? Uh, and if there, if we can, why aren't there more examples of this? Yeah, very good question. Um, uh, I believe that from the technology perspective, which is where I come from, uh, the technology is out there now, and I guess we're kind of trying to prove that, like by building our own our own uh, high density skills. Uh, so the technology does exist. It's not there's no magic, and it's something that's doable. It is, however, not easy, and not the most standard way of, of that 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 is that are currently out there for authoring these these skills. And so. Um, I mean, so, some of I mean, there's a lot of technologies involved in general in, in building voice uh, applications, as as you know. Uh, so some things like the, the the natural language understanding part is fairly that that we're using that is required for identity is fairly standard, except for the fact that you would probably need many more uh, intents, so many more different patterns than you would in a in a regular low density system. But that that's not really a technical barrier, I would say. Uh, what's harder is how to represent the conversation itself and how to encode the conversation so that it is not stuck in a inward flow. So we can't use just the kind of finite state machine where you go from one state to another based on what the, the user said in a kind of predefined way. We can't use that, those kind of approaches because that's exactly what limits the, the, the flow of the dialogue uh, in current systems. And so we have to 
come up with new approaches and, and I mean, new in some ways they're new. In other ways, they're actually pretty old because this is the kind of uh, technologies that were um, you know developed in when I when I was doing my, my thesis. So like in the early two thousands, basically in academia, um, there was already a lot of work around those kind of architectures that go beyond. The, the straightforward state machines and kind of allow for that the flexibility that Felicia was talking about. Uh, now there are a couple of issues. Implementing those technologies is not it, it's a little hard, but it's not it's not that impossible. What is I think what is really hard is designing conversations when you're dealing with uh, with flexible conversation because you can't you're no longer designing single flows. You have to uh, imagine that anything can happen anytime. And designing that I think is the real challenge that makes it like. You know, so hard to to have that today. I, I've been wondering as well, kind of this idea that you have a flow and conversation is linear over time. So it tends to be thought of as a a flow chart, or a, you know, people write out dialogue to to visualize how this conversation will go. But you're describing the situation where that will either at least limit you or hinder you from getting deeper. So. How do you build a design or how do you do visualize or think about a design where at any moment you can do anything and still represent it in a way that people can pick it up and see, oh, I can see how this works? So I think for us, when you're talking about the one flow um, path, we still do that. And that is, but that's just our store, uh, starting point, right? You start with one path. You have to, to kind of... Uh, list out the initial things that you definitely have to afford for. But then the next step is not just to build, okay, one path for this general feature and then another one path for this general feature with like maybe two or three divergences, right? The second step is once you have your main like core, whatever, happy path, if you want to call it, it's um, on top of figuring out some points of breakage, or possible points of breakage, you need to take every single turn that you've written there and expand it in multiple ways. One way to expand it is, okay, uh, how many different ways can the user say this? And then when would the user say this? And how do you handle it when the user says this exact thing in a different part of the conversation? So if you apply that type of planning for each step or each turn in your initial sample dialogue, that's how you start to expand and cover all these different cases and nuances to the path. That sounds a bit daunting, though, as you start to scale up or expand the scope of what the, the app can do, because at that point, the each turn becomes, it, it exponentially grows the number of possible outcomes. So how do you keep up with that as you build and expand your feature set? That's right. That's a very good point. And that's that's where uh, like trying to represent all this as a single kind of, um, you know, state machine, if you want, where you actually have a single set of flows that are connected together is is not scalable, right? And so the, 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 the one technology that kind of addresses that that we have is what we call stack-based dialogue management, where instead of having, uh, like in, in the code itself, and even in the, when we, when we design the interaction, we start, like Felicia said, with actual flows because that's kind of the best way to crystallize what we're trying to achieve. But then we have to abstract away from that and represent uh, the conversation as more of a hierarchical kind of uh, task 
where you say, you know, in order to achieve a particular goal, we need to first achieve, you know, these three sub goals. So say if you want to uh, uh, place an order, like the, the high level goal of placing an order, first I need to, uh, you know, greet the user, then get their requirements, and, and then, uh, you know, perform checkout. So these are like very high level sub goals of uh, the full ordering flow. And then you can decompose each of them into sub goals, like again, like recursively like this, right? And so if you design it that way, it still decomposes, it seemingly decomposes in a single way, but each of these uh, individual nodes in your decomposition, they can be, um, they don't have to happen in a strict order that was originally designed. Okay, so you, essentially break up each individual turn and allow them to be uh, individually manipulated and understood. But how do you know or keep track of which one is most appropriate for the next step? Uh, You might be in the ordering process. How do you know the difference between the question about, well, what's inside of the the salad versus actually saying, I would like a piece of, or uh, not a piece, but I would like a salad. There's a difference there, but how do you correctly identify the the direction to go? Right. So there are are several aspects to that. The first one is to understand what the user is saying. So that requires having like a fine grain enough uh, natural language understanding to distinguish the different intents here, right? So we need to train models. We use, for for natural language understanding, we use purely data-driven approaches where we just give examples of the different intents. Uh, that we want to cover and enough sentences for each intense and then the machine learning kind of gives us uh, for each sentence where it where it falls so that's the first step now then on top of that the way we represent the state of the conversation at any point in the dialogue is we have a stack of a a, it's it's a little bit technical but we maintain a stack of, of the topics and so at the top of the stack is what we're talking about right now so what we just asked the user and if the new user input is uh, like fits within that topic. If we're if we able to, if it makes sense within that topic, then that module is going to deal with it. And deal with it can mean that there is code, written code, that then knows what to do with it. Either you know fetching an answer from the backend and responding to the user, or pushing a new sub goal on top of the stack. This kind of thing. But if the the top level topic cannot understand because the user switched topics, so it's not they're not answering what that topic is about. Then we we go down the stack basically, and then more like broader topics that are further down the stack uh, will be at some point one will be able to understand what that user question is and deal with it. And so it allows us to have both the fine grain understanding of what we're doing right now. So if the user just responds for to a particular question, we know what that means. Is that a quantity? Is that a time or you know, whatever? That's the top level uh, module or topic would be able to understand that. But if the user says completely something else, they're like, oh, what's in my order right now? They could say that anytime. And it would be able to understand it anytime because it's handled by something that's lower in the stack that's kind of stays there for the whole conversation because it's something that can happen can happen anytime during the conversation. So by maintaining this kind of representation of the state, we're able to uh, handle those those kind of user questions whenever they, they come in. Okay, so that, that helps with me understanding some of the technical side, and I don't want to go too much further. Uh, but one last question maybe on the technical aspect is how much of the technology stack that exists in like the Alexa platform or Google Assistant 
supports building those types of features out? Or is there a lot of things that you're going to have to do on your side, uh, on the your implementation side to make that work? So that's a good question. The answer is there's not much, unfortunately. So from our perspective, because we're kind of exploring and kind of building that kind of for the first time around, if you want. And so we've had to recreate most of of the stack. The only thing we're using from whether it's Google or, or, or Alexa is the voice part, the voice recognition and the voice synthesis. Everything else we have actually uh, authored our own. So the natural language understanding, the dialogue management, and the, and the natural language generation, all those components we've actually uh, re-implemented internally. Okay. And I think from my experience in building, there's ways of integrating and even leveraging those technologies, but they're definitely geared today towards the the one turn and simpler use cases and not as easily built out for these complex or I guess we should use the term high density type experiences like dialogue flow from Google has the capability of tracking state over time built into the way that the intents work and you can like degrade the context over time so that for the next five turns, this context will be remembered. So you get some pieces of it and depending on your use case, you might be able to get through through some of that, but I can also see where the, the edges are on that stuff for today at least. And um, it's really interesting. I, for folks, I think they'll want to check out your site to learn more about what you're building and, and how they might be able to use it from the technical perspective. But it's also good to know that the design aspects are being thought through here as well. How do you see this evolving? What do you see happening in the future with things playing out so that people can build more of these experiences? Because we want this kind of a future, I think, folks who are in the voice space to be the ubiquitous voice experience, right? It's uh, ambient computing. Things are available to you at all times. Sometimes it's going to be quick and sometimes it's going to be high density. But uh, until we modify some things, uh, we're, n- we're not going to be there. So what do you see playing out to, to get us to the high density type experiences and what are we going to need to do? Uh, very, great, great question. We, we keep thinking about that all the time. Uh, it, I think there's there's a, a, a number of of things that need to happen. Uh, some are on the technology side and some are on the tooling side, I, I, I think. Because right now, even with the, the kind of technology I described, even if we made our, we, we're kind of building, internally we're building an, like a, an SDK and a, like an engine that runs this kind of, of, uh, of dialogues that we can describe you know, with the stack management, et cetera. The problem, even if we expose that, is that it is not easy for someone to just start authoring conversations that are that flexible, right? Like Felicia mentioned it at the beginning, but the design problem itself is is tricky. And so I think it's not just a problem of putting uh, a new API out there that people can use to build high-density conversation because I feel that there's still a lot of um, like difficulty in just designing the right conversation. So there's a risk that you would put the API out, but most of the conversation built on it can still be pretty bad, actually. So you, you want to have the right design. Some of that, I think, is going to come from um, adding more machine learning to that aspect. Like instead of having to encode all these different cases, if you can just give examples uh, of dialogues that you want to support and then having the, the system able to kind of learn from that and then be able to reproduce those without having to go in and code uh, literally the, the, the behavior, uh, that's going to kind of enable many more people to kind of author, author these conversations. And we're working towards that uh, internally as we speak. Um, other aspects are just pure 
tooling, which we're looking at, including maybe I'll let Felicia talk about that, but there's like tooling that are more related to even product management and, and tracking features, et cetera. But. Yeah, but like just to stick with the designing uh, tools, I think that if we gave someone, you know, our tech to build high density, it, it's still authoring. You still have to author a lot of the prompts, right? And you need to do that with the user in mind. And I think people try to, but because the systems today are more geared towards a bot leading the entire conversation, not that back and forth. Um, if people are used to building or writing conversations that way, they're going to have to switch, right? They they shouldn't start, okay, what's the next prompt in order to make this happen? Yeah, you should always keep that in mind, but you need to also write for when the user wants to take over. So I, I don't know the answer, you know, for scaling that, but maybe tools which help you um, flesh out all your ideas at once and then allows you to rate it in terms of how flexible that prompt would be versus this one. And then uh, to organize it in that rating system. And then that's how you decide which to use. And then that also transfers to the NLG, because if you write a lot of variants for the NLG, which you need, I think that flexibility of understanding the user, how they say things is one part, but then the bot should respond in many different ways as well. So with NLG, if you can start off writing all the variances for every use case that you can think of, that would make it interesting, but then there needs to be a tool to help rate those and assign those uh, to be used in the right context which I think Antoine mentioned a little bit. And then the other side of tooling that's completely missing in my perspective is truly about the product management side of things. As I mentioned, for voice, a feature for voice is completely different than a feature for a traditional um, you know, mobile app or website. In that one feature for a website or even like a physical product has limited definitions of it, right? It's for a physical product, a coffee maker, on-off button. It's an on-off button. This is what it does. This is where it should go. This is what it should look like. You can flush out one feature very concisely in order to track it and to say whether it's done or not and what state it's at. But for voice, uh, for every feature, because uh, the conversation can go in so many ways, starting with that one feature. There's actually many, many layers of mini features associated with that. So how do you track all these things? Um, I don't think anyone has the best and totally fleshed out answer yet, but we're working on it. And I think we, the more we do this, we try different systems like every other week just to see what works. Because I think a lot of the things we've tried, eventually you get to a point where, okay, this is overwhelming and it's no longer useful. Um, so I think figuring that out is a, a huge part of being able to design these high density conversations. I think you nailed it there. And my feeling right now is that the way that we design experiences is going to have to require a number of different tools. And like you said, you start using that initial flow just to get the uh, idea together, mm -hmm. just brainstorming even just to get the idea flowing. And then you start to look at it from a different perspective. And so I, I feel like the solution right now, at least for the interim, until maybe somebody designs this one solution to trump them all, but uh, is going to be picking up 
two or three different types of design and maybe different ones for different projects. And there's no necessarily right or wrong all the time. But if you don't have more than one, you're probably missing something. So that's can kind of where I've been falling on it. I want to make sure that I have at least two different ways of looking at the voice experience to try and capture uh, a different dimension. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, also one, maybe one, one last thing here uh, that we're also working on to address these kind of issues. I think it's it, in order to scale, to allow for authoring and creating more and more of these, it's really important to be able to abstract away kind of typical conversational behaviors. There are some conversational skills, if you wish, that are actually very general and kind of happen like across many different applications. And you don't want to have to kind of redesign for them every time, right? So if you kind of start having these building blocks that can even be uh, at different level, you can start very low of saying, you know, how to confirm a value, how to select from a list, this kind of basic conversational behavior, but done in a very natural and flexible way, of course. And then you start combining those into more general and higher level tasks, like ordering something. But again, in a, in a general way, not for one specific application, but just a kind of templatized version of that, if you wish, that again, we spend uh, we would spend a lot of effort to make that natural and to envision all the possible paths and different ways that things can can turn out. But you still want to create that conversational behavior so that you can reuse it in every time you have an, an like a, an ordering situation that comes up. And so by by doing this, I think we can uh, you know leverage more of what we're building in a in a particular context and then reuse it. And that that's a kind of an an engineering approach to the to to scaling the the, the design. It really sounds like you're saying we should do microservice-based conversations almost, which is an interesting way of breaking it apart. Maybe that's a bad term, but it's a hot term, at least for service. <laughs> but um, It might not be literal microservices, but it's, a, it's yeah. the, the, the right analogy, I think. All right. So let's recap. What do you think is the top takeaway that people can have from today? Flexibility. <laughs> you can't keep that user on one path. It's never going to work. Yeah, I think we circled on that a few different ways is yeah. make sure that important. don't lock them in. And then there's different tactics, but the, the tooling and technology out there does support it, but it is still a challenge to build them without proper planning. Right. At, at the same time, I feel that for certain tasks, at least things that are like transactional in nature, that are definitely multi-turn, if that if that if that's not there, you're not going to have a good user experience. So that's kind of the state of you know, kind of voice ordering currently or voice commerce if you want currently is is that. Like it's not really taking off because you can't have a good experience if if you don't have that flexibility. Makes sense. All right, so we're going to Slide into the final point here, which I like to call the endpoint detection part of the show, and give one or both of you a chance to answer about a an interesting voice experience that you've had recently. It might be positive or negative, but something that you've utilized recently that just had a, an interesting experience for you. Yeah, I just want to mention a quick, uh, like an anecdote, uh, something that happened to me with my, my kids as we were using Alexa. Uh, and we were talking about something like asking uh, what a particular uh, civilization was or something like this. And then I asked as a follow-up, I asked, well, how do you spell that? And Alexa came back saying T-H-A-T. And that drew a a big laugh from the whole family. But that's a very good example of um, 
using context, understanding that when you say, how do you spell that? You don't mean literally the word that, but you have to understand what that means in the context. And to be fair, there's a lot of cases where, you know, both Alexa and Google, and they're able to understand some of that context. But that was a case where I was um, surprised and uh, amused by the, the response. <laughs> I, I've seen some demonstrations and it, yeah, you're right. There's some cases where those things get handled and some cases where they don't. And it's, it's hard to tell yet. And that's a really tough problem to solve, but it is something that in your own app you can think about. Okay. Next question. What kind of resources do you recommend for people who want to learn more about design or about high density specifically? I think generally, um, I think this is probably mentioned on every show, but because there's not that much other, and it's a great resource, the Kathy Pearl book, of course, that's 101, right? I think starting with that, it just helps you get into designing for, for voice in general, but not really maybe high density as much, um, which I think Antoine has a better book that <laughs> well, would maybe help you think in that term. That's right. There is no design book for high density currently because that, that doesn't exist yet. But for people who are a little more uh, uh, conversational nerds, like I, I like to think myself, <laughs> there is a, I would recommend a book called Using Language by Herbert Clark, who is a, uh, a, a psycholinguist from Stanford. Uh, the book is from, I think it's 1996. And it's not about, it's not directly about computers per se, but it's about kind of how conversation works and how uh, when people talk together, they have to kind of establish that, you know, what they're talking about and that they both understand the topics they're talking about and how all these mechanisms kind of happen between people. And I feel it's a good way to kind of, it's, it's, it's a good time now to step back and look at these, uh, that kind of research about how humans kind of talk to each other uh, and how conversation kind of works between people uh, because a lot of the problems that they explain all of the behaviors that they explain are actually things that are missing in current kind of voice applications so that that's what that would be the one book I'd, I'd recommend today awesome i don't have that on my reading list i'm going to add it i have also been looking into some linguistic books and things of that nature because i think it's just interesting just how language itself works and conversation works not just the technology that enables these human to bot interactions so i think that's a really good suggestion i'm going to take a look at it myself and finally how can people learn more about you and your work whether it's your website your social media things like that so the, the first thing for us is our website. It's easy. It's B4. So the letter B and the number four, B4.ai. Uh, you can find kind of links to, to our other things from there, social media. And in particular, I'd recommend following our Medium uh, publication called Adventures in High Density. This is where we put kind of a lot of the, the things you've talked about uh, and that we've talked about today about the, the stack-based dollar management or what is high density or we have a bunch of articles that are about the, these topics. We're also on LinkedIn, but usually we're just posting our Medium posts on LinkedIn because I think that's where most of our inf uh, interesting information that we like to update everyone on goes. So. Awesome. With that, I will make sure to add links and things like this to the show notes so people can find that on designforvoice.com. And that'll wrap it up for us today. So I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. This is a wonderful topic. And I think something that's much needed is a much deeper discussion about how to build things that are more than these single turn experiences that most of us are 
expecting today uh, into the next evolution of the next phase of things. So thank you for joining me today and uh, I appreciate it a lot. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was great. All of the show notes are available on designforvoice.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please rate it and subscribe with your favorite podcast player.